Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. I have Adrian with me this evening, and she experienced a miscarriage this past March, just shy of 12 weeks. She was scheduled for a DNC, but actually ended up passing the miscarriage naturally before that appointment, and she is going to share her experience with us. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So take us to the beginning of this journey for you. Well, I found out I was pregnant January 30th, and I considered myself very lucky in that I was not trying very long before I was able to conceive. Um, And so January 30th, I had taken two pregnancy home tests um, with both positive results, and then I went to Planned Parenthood to confirm about a week later. Um, And at that point... I do recall being a tad bit nervous in the sense that um, just really like taking it in that, in fact, I was pregnant Um, and I wanted to do an ultrasound then just because I was concerned about it just merely being in a chemical pregnancy. And um, they told me it was a bit too early for that. Um, The pregnancy test results came back as positive. And at that point, they made a referral to a midwife here in Seattle. Um, so then I made an appointment to meet with midwives. Um, and that went really well. I, I liked them a lot. It was two ladies. Um, and at that point they made a referral for me to go in and meet with an OBGYN and to do an ultrasound. They had recommended I can do an early ultrasound. And so at that point I went in, um, to another town and did that and I was about eight weeks along Um, and they they also recommended that I could do uh, genetic testing at that point and um, when I met with the genetic counselor they went over what they would be testing for all of the variables of chromosomal uh, abnormalities And then they also stated that I could um, find out the gender at 10 weeks. So at that point, then um, we did the ultrasound um, and I actually got to see the baby um, heartbeat. You know, it was in a a video. Um, There was no sound attached to it. um, And I asked the technician about that. And she had said that through her training, um, that they would not be able to do um, an audio of the heartbeat. 
um, because the sonogram would be too strong at that point, um, and which could be potentially harmful to the baby. So it was just a video, and then they took lots of pictures. Um, and then there was a video, which I received, which was really lovely. And then um, I came in about two weeks later and then did, at that point, the genetic testing, which was a blood test. Um, and they referred that to a company out in San Francisco, um, and they said it would be about 14 business days before the results of that came back, at which point then I went back into my midwife's um, appointment, and we covered various things about home birth, um, what that would entail. Um, and then she asked me at the end of the appointment if I would like to hear um, the baby's heartbeat. Um, and so I agreed and I thought that would be really great. Um, and it was just this like Doppler machine, which didn't seem very high tech to me. It seemed more like, um, quite frankly, it seems like one of those things from uh, Stranger Things, like a walkie talkie. It didn't seem very technically savvy. And so I didn't put much thought into it, but there was, they were unable to detect a heartbeat um, and I didn't fret about it. I, I looked at her face and she reassured me that um, a lot of times that's not detectable through that type of technology. Um, and then we covered various other things. And at the end of that appointment, she casually said to me, if you'd like to come back in, we can actually um, try again on Monday. So this was on a Thursday and I thought, okay, great. I'll just come back in on Monday and then we can hear it then. So I went through the rest of the weekend, not concerning myself at all. Nothing about it was alarming. I came back in Monday and um, we covered various other things in the, that appointment. And then next she asked um, for me to get on the table to do uh, the Doppler. And again, there was no sound, um, no heartbeat. Um, there was just my own. And so she asked me if I would like to have the other midwife come in because she'd said that the other midwife had better luck um, with the Doppler. And so the other midwife came in and we did the Doppler again. And then there was various jokes made about how my baby was just being really stubborn or potentially that the, um, the baby was too small and potentially underneath my pelvis. And that could have been a reason why it was undetectable. Um, so again, I didn't really um, concern myself with there being a potential problem. I had really only considered the idea of miscarriage in the sense that um, through apps, um, them referring to in miscarriages, but it was just something that like kind of briefly came, entered my mind and then went away and never really did I concern myself and, and nothing in through our conversations with the midwives had I ever really thought that was a possibility. So um, at the end of that appointment, um, again, it was unable to detect a heartbeat she casually mentioned um, that I could go back to the ultrasound doctors, the OBGYNs in another town, um, and 
hear the heartbeat there. And I thought, well, that'll be great because, you know, I, I believe I only had three appointments with the ultrasound doctors via insurance and referrals. So I thought, well, this will be another opportunity and I can actually probably squeeze like four appointments out of this and then have another opportunity to see the baby, um, listen to the heartbeat, more pictures. And I thought, well, that's great. And so I had called the next day and their machines were down and they told me to call back the next, the following day. And so when I did, um, I got a hold of somebody at the OBGYN's office and she had told me that they can get me in for an appointment um, the next day. But she also stated that I had an existing appointment three days out um, for my 12 week appointment. So she asked me, she's like, do you actually want to come in now? Or would you just like to wait for that 12 week appointment in a couple of days? And I was like, no, I'll come in now. And so um, the next day I went in and again, I wasn't thinking that there was anything wrong. Um, and when I got into that appointment, the technician had um, she was the first person that seemed concerned about it um, in the office. And she said, I understand that there's no heartbeat that is being able to be detected. Um, and that alarms me because nobody else, my midwives or nobody else had seemed concerned about the Doppler being unable to detect a heartbeat. So then I started to feel a little bit um, alarmed at that point. And then she asked me to undress from the waist down in case they needed to do a vaginal ultrasound. And I reassured her that I'd actually already been here and that, you know, everything was fine. We were just here to listen to the heartbeat. And she said, no, I'm going to go ahead and need you to undress from the waist down in case we need to do that. And they had mentioned that in my previous appointment, although I didn't actually need to do it. And so then the doctor came in and he was a very, very lovely man. And he, he stated instantly that he doesn't refer to technicians to do the ultrasound that he likes doing it, it himself because he takes great pleasure in dealing with his patients one-on-one. Um, and I found that alarming in the sense that that was another indicator that something was wrong, just in the sense that he was trying to reassure me that everything was okay. Um, and so he, he placed the screen next to me and he said he was going to have me look at the screen there as opposed to across the room. And it was right next to my face. And in that previous ultrasound appointment at eight weeks, um, when the baby was alive and well, it was a flat screen initially, and there was no motion to it. And then moments later is when I'm assuming they clicked something on in the machines to make it um, a live feed in which it was, it was active. And so when I was looking at the screen when he started to ultrasound, um, it was flat. There was no movement, nothing um, and I was waiting for them to enact the, the motion of it. And then at some point he said, okay, well, let's take a look here. And then he paused and then he put his hands on my knee and he said, I'm so sorry. 
it looks like we've lost the baby. I don't have good news for you. Um, it looks like the baby is no longer alive. And I just, it was complete shock and horror. I really had not expected that um, to be the case. I, there was, there was no preparation for, for such in my mind, um, nor did anybody discuss such a thing with me, be it my midwives. And, and I don't mean it to blame them, um, but there was literally no conversation about this being a possibility. Um, the only thing that I recall knowing about miscarriages, none of my family members have had it, no friends, none of my clients. Um, I'm actually a psychotherapist here in Seattle. Um, none of my clients have had this. I had no point of reference to this being the case besides, I guess, like TV and movies. And that was my really, quite frankly, only understanding of miscarriage is that, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and there's blood in your bed or, you know, you use the toilet and there's blood. So for me, it seemed really shocking that there was no blood that I interpreted miscarriage, meaning that you would bleed and that you would know that something horrific was happening. So to find out that I had miscarried um, without any knowledge, um, be it physically, was just absolutely horrific. So he looked on the, um, he looked and he found out that he suspected that it would have been about nine weeks is about the time that I had um, lost the baby. Um, so it would have been about a little over two weeks at this point that I was continuously caring. Um, he asked me if I wanted to get a ride home because I'd gone to this appointment by myself because I didn't think anything of it. Nothing about the situation really um, seemed alarming. And in hindsight, I feel kind of silly thinking that there was nothing wrong when in fact the Doppler twice did not pick up any heartbeat. So um, I just needed to get out of there and I left. Um, I recall seeing one of the assistants or nurses or techs or whatever um, behind the desk. And as I was walking out, they had asked me if I wanted to use a back entrance to the parking lot. And I, I said I was fine. And I just, I went home um, and I called my partner and they met me there. Um, and at which point my midwives had been informed. So my partner had called the midwives and returned their call um, to figure out exactly what it, what I was supposed to do um, in this situation. And I was given at that point, three options, a DNC, um, a pill to induce labor or to naturally let it occur. Um, and I was a mess. Um, I was literally in a fetal position on my living room floor, unable to make decisions like that at that moment. Um, so I didn't that day. 
Um, and that night I didn't, I didn't sleep. I just thought about how horrific it would be to wake up in the morning and have that brief moment before I remembered what had just occurred. Um, so the next day I got on YouTube, um, or excuse me, at first I started Google searching miscarriages and then, um, a lot of YouTube videos came up, um, quite a few, which I found very significant. Um, one being various types of miscarriages. Um, one had like five or four or five different kinds of miscarriage types, which I had no knowledge of. I had no idea that there was such a thing as a missed miscarriage. And so that was, you know, it was helpful to have understanding of what had occurred. Um, another one that was very um, helpful was a woman discussing her miscarriage in which she recalls just feeling like even though she'd lost a baby, she was still a mom from the moment she had taken the pregnancy test and had positive results. Like it was on, um, and that was really um, comforting in a lot of ways because even though my baby had died, it was, it didn't really change uh, a whole lot for me in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and another one I saw that was very um, informative was a woman discussing not knowing what to do with remains. Um, she had had a miscarriage on a, on a toilet and um, the remains came out in the toilet. She picked them up because she didn't know what else to do with it. And she discussed how she was moving at the time and her, and her partner didn't know what to do with the remains because they didn't want to bury them at the place they were currently living at and they didn't know like to take them or what to do. So she said she ended up like flushing it down the toilet and she was just bawling her eyes out, you know, just really in grief about how she deeply regretted not planning for that. And so that was one, one thing that stuck out to me the next day um, of what to do. Um, and then lastly, the, there was a YouTube video where a woman discussed deciding to let it pass naturally um, and how she deeply regretted such because the pain and the trauma of the whole situation was so horrific that she ended up having to still go to the emergency room. And so, you know, she was confessing that she would like other women to know that, you know, given the option that maybe a DNC was the best option. So I took that to heart and then I contacted Planned Parenthood here in Seattle. Um, and they informed me that they don't do a typical DNC, which would refer, uh, which would involve scraping of the uterus, but they do more of um, a suction form of it. Um, very similar, but um slightly different um and so i opted for that and this was on a friday and they made me an appointment for monday and then um 
that evening I went to bed around 10 o'clock and I started to feel um, strange sensations. And at the time I didn't realize what it was. Um, but I, I told my partner, I was like, I, I'm starting to feel something. Um, and then it progressed. Um, and then it was every five minutes, which was contractions, um, about five minutes apart for a little over a half hour. Um, and that was another thing that through trying to educate myself via, <laughs> um, YouTube or Google searches, um, I had, you know, I'd seen so many videos that day, which was very, very comforting, but I had not heard anybody discuss it in the sense of it being full on labor. I had heard people say it's the worst cramps of your life. It's so painful, but never did I, um, really have the full understanding that I would actually have labor and contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so around midnight, the contractions got closer and closer and then my water broke. Um, and I went into the bathroom. Um, and then I drew a bath and I got into the bathtub and I had contractions, um, minutes apart. At some point they were one minute apart. And this lasted, um, from midnight until eight the next morning. Um, and at some point I felt very dizzy in the bathtub and I couldn't stay in there. I needed to like move and be on my knees, um, physically feel like I was birthing, um, and just find different positions every couple of minutes to ride the waves of contractions. So I put a towel down on my floor next to my bathroom until eight in the morning and just went through this labor of death. Um, and then at which point around eight in the morning, um, the contractions stopped. And at that point is when I started to feel what was described to me by various other women as the worst cramps of your life. Um, and then that continued from eight in the morning until four o'clock the next day. And were you bleeding during this time? Yes. Yes. Um, I never found any of it alarming as far as the amount of blood. Um, that's a good question. Um, because I did see that on, you know, women discussing passing a miscarriage and there being an alarming amount of blood. Um, I never felt like it was an alarming amount. Um, and then at, at around, um, between like four and six that evening, just a dead stop of like nothing, like no more cramps, nothing, like no pain. And so I thought it was over um, and I just felt super relieved about the whole situation um, that it was, it was done. Um, and then at 10 o'clock that night, it started again, but this time it felt very different in the contractions. Um, they were very sharp. Um, and it just felt like knives, you know, poking into me and, uh, on top of contractions. And so I got back into the bathtub. And at that point, my partner had called the midwives um, and they recommended that I go into the emergency room and 
Um, they also recommended calling the OBGYN's office where I'd done the ultrasound. So we did that. Um, and then they, they too recommended going into the emergency room. And I was really hesitant about doing so because I just couldn't imagine going back into another doctor's office after the initial trauma of realizing that I'd had a miscarriage. Um, and then it didn't stop. And so at one in the morning, I actually did go into the emergency room here in Seattle and I got in right away. Um, they, you know, asked in the intake, they did all the questions piece of it. And then I was, you know, admitted into a bed. Um, and at which point a doctor came in and he folded his arms and leaned against the counter and looked down at me um, and asked me very suspiciously what I was in there for. And I just thought, like, I'm, I'm very confused by this because I would think he would have read the intake. Um, and it did, definitely didn't help the situation to have... To then explain it again when you just wrote it down. Yeah, um, to explain it again. And it seemed to me that um, because the the initial um, report, I guess, so to speak, would have been that I was in pain. So it seemed to me that he was suspicious oh, that I was there yeah. for um, for drugs, you know. Right, I mean, narcotics. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, just his, his tone and everything that he... And so my partner explained to him that I had had a missed miscarriage, and he goes, what is that? What? Yeah, so... Um, and, you know, again... I, I learned this terminology via YouTube. Um, my midwives or the OBGYN, none, none of which ever referred to it as a mis- miscarriage or gave me that, you know, education of what was actually occurring. So this doctor as well asked what that was um, and seemed suspicious. And then we waited several hours and then I was brought upstairs to do an ultrasound Um and I had my eyes closed. I was, I was in a lot of pain. And when they brought me on the bed through the emergency room to the second floor to do the ultrasound, I had had my eyes closed the majority of the time. And when I opened my eyes in the ultrasound room, I was in a nursery. Um, it was painted, you know, very childlike twilight stars and baby stuff um so that was another really um not a great experience to then be put into a nursery to do an ultrasound um and they concluded at that point that everything had passed um and at which point then i was given a female nurse um she gave me an injection in my thigh i don't know what it was um but it definitely helped relieve the pain. Um, so then I was discharged after that. And when I came home, I was walking up my stairs and I felt a significantly large something come out of me. Um, when I went to the bathroom, what had passed um, was quite large. 
and I just recalled like thinking about that lady describing not knowing what to do with her remains on that YouTube video. So I ended up keeping it and wrapping it up. Um, not knowing like being able to make decisions at that point about what to do. Um, so I did keep my remains, um, which I, I get is a bit morbid and creepy. Um, but nevertheless, that's what I did. Um, so at that point, um, everything physically had occurred and moved past that experience. Um, and then next came, um, I believe it was three or four days later, I had gotten a call from the OBGYN's office and it was the genetic counselor. And she left me a voice message stating that um, she was sorry for my loss and that she knew why this had happened. Um, and when I got this message, it was right before they had closed. So I was unable to get a hold of them. And I just thought that what she meant by that was that she was going to reassure me that it wasn't my fault. Um, at, at no point did I really entertain a whole lot of this was my fault of why this had happened. Um, I mean, just fleeting thoughts of like thinking about supplements and vitamins I was taking and how I told the OBGYN and the midwives, but I was like, did I tell them the milligrams of what I was taking? Was that too much? Um, also to, um, I practice yoga in, in Kundalini yoga. There's a lineage of um, expectation of walking five miles a day while you're pregnant and doing 15 squats a day. And so I had started doing that. And so, you know, I thought, gosh, is it just too much that way? But not really a whole lot of entertaining again, you know, and things went through my mind of like, why did this happen? But it wasn't uh, a prolonged blaming of myself. So when I did get a hold of the um, genetic counselor the following day, she told me that they had gotten my test results from that company they had outsourced to in San Francisco and that the baby had trisomy 18, um, which is ultimately incompatible with life. Um, there is various physical and deformities, be it also to all of pretty much all of the organs are disarrayed. Um, so that was that was a lot to to receive that information. I feel like it was such a blessing to just know what had happened. I felt really lucky, and it felt like a big shift in the emotional process of all this trauma is to acknowledge there was a notable reason as opposed to this giant mystery of why did this happen? Right. So you felt that that was comforting to bring some kind of answer, right? Yes, most certainly. Yeah. Definitely. Um, 
Yes, I've listened to so many of your podcasts and um, and so many other. Don't get an answer. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, exactly. And that's it was huge. It was so it was so helpful to know um, an answer and to have peace of mind in that way. I really wish other women could have have that that gift. I mean, it was a lot. Um. So that was a bit to process. Um, and then I asked her if um, she had gotten the results of the gender because that was part of the genetic testing as well. And she firmly asked me, do you want to know? And I stated yes. And then she told me that it was a boy. And that made it even more real. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the week leading up to that final ultrasound, I had kept thinking that, like, I'm going to get my test results any day now. Any day now, I'm going to get my test results. And uh, one night I recall thinking, this is the last moments before I know what you are for the rest of my life. This person that is entering my life, like, I don't know what gender you are, but within, you know, days I'll know. And so it was ironic to find out after the fact, after he'd passed what had, what he was. Um, But again, it was, it was very helpful and, and yes, it did make it very real. So then at that point, um, things definitely broke um, as far as like the physical trauma of it. But then emotionally, um, what played out over the next two weeks was very, very intense. I, without a doubt, believe that I had PTSD um, from that experience. I was unable to eat for two weeks, not taking a single bite of anything. Um, at some point, I believe it was about a week into it. I was trying to mentally convince myself of things that I thought tasted good. Um, I had, um, but when I put them towards my mouth, I wanted to throw up. I just couldn't actually eat physically. Um, I, without a doubt, um, had insomnia, Um, at some point I started to have sleep hallucinations, um, and sleep was, was a big, um, factor and lack of, um, I didn't go to work for, um, a little over a week and a half. At some point I was driving to the store and, I was at a like um, four-way stop and I didn't know where I was going and I didn't know where my destination was. Like where I was like, I'm confused about where I'm actually, where I'm at and where I'm supposed to be going. Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. And it didn't last long. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was pulled over to the side of the street contemplating. It's a wake up call though. Yeah, it was where I realized how much this was, how much this trauma had impacted my mental health and physical well-being. 
Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot. Um, and then, and then that, um, I think that's the, the, the trauma of it all with, with everything hormonally happening. And then there just being this cutoff. Um, I kept thinking about, and I've done a lot of research in postpartum, and I definitely feel like that was a factor in things because at some point I started to have suicidal ideations. Um, it never got to the point of um, finding means, which is obviously the next step of um, of major concern. Um, so I was just monitoring myself and just observing like how this process was happening. Um, but it was definitely dark for at least two weeks that were zombie-like. Um, just just getting by, you know, in a strange sense. Um, and then what? Yes. So those two weeks passed, and what changed? Did you seek out other help? Did it just, you know, the hormones start to even out and did that help what do you think started getting you out of the fog or are you still in that space no i'm definitely not um having the what i felt like was pretty severe trauma lasted about two weeks um i did look into seeing another therapist myself um and i and i ended up not taking that route I think I just got back into being physical again and going for long walks again, doing the five miles, um, meditating, yoga, just, just really trying to take care of myself, um, in ways that I had kind of pushed pause on for that two weeks. Um, so I think also too, with that, just time, I think it was, I think it just took a little bit of time and just accepting, um, and I felt really kind and gentle towards myself in that way that I um, was able to take that time. And I was observing, you know, my thoughts that way with even having, you know, something as extreme as suicidal ideations, just really observing like, okay, this is, this is a part of this um, statistically um, for a lot of women and just writing it out and acknowledging um, things as they occurred and just, just observing really. Good. So you are in a better spot today and how did you recover emotionally and how did you recover physically? Um, so physically, um, my, my periods have been just chaotic since, um, I've skipped periods, had periods, you know, two weeks apart, just all over the place. So physically, I feel like I'm still really, um, reproductively recovering. Um, mentally, it's just been being able to process it through time and self-care. Um, this upcoming week um my midwife had actually given me the um the date of september 28th as my due date and the obgyn's office has given me october 3rd so those dates are approaching um which definitely feels 
um, present for me at this moment in that this is the week that I was expecting to have a baby. Um, so, you know, things come up in that sense, but it, overall it's just been being kind and patient with myself and being able to walk this and to experience this, um, this journey for what it is. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, Listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.